Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, the kind of things that you might complete in an evening or a weekend, games that respect your time. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by two awesome co-hosts, game dev Nate. How you doing, Nate? Oh, man, I am doing well. Just about to ship my uh, robot trivia game. And game dev Laura. How are you doing, Laura? I'm former game designer, but I'll take game dev. Well, this week, we are all game devs. Because we're talking about Game Dev Story from Kairosoft. Game Dev Story! Game Dev Story. I feel like you always have to shout the title. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Laura does. Reagan wasn't a very good dev. No, so I was terrible at this game. He's a about this game. But I played this game back in, I think, 2010 when it came out on the iPhone. And it's by Kairosoft, and I have tried to play their other games. I sucked at them because I don't understand how to manage schools in Japan or hot springs. <laughs> but I can project manage video games and name them very silly things. And if you like silly game names and uh, simulations, this game might be for you. I'm not really usually a huge sim game person, but I also played this game back in 2010 when it first came out. Is one of the first games I remember downloading on my iPhone 3G. It must have been pretty soon after the launch of the App Store, right? Like, when did that happen? 2009? Um, I thought the App Store came out in 2008, because the phone was launched in 2007, and then the App Store came, like, a year later or something like that. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm getting my timeline a little bit wrong. this came out in 2010, which I actually, I did not have an iPhone at that point, and I played it on my iPod Touch. Me too. Hmm. I played it over a lot of lunch breaks while I was working at a game dev company. Um, I don't know why that was a good break, but it was. That's really strange. I had control over my life in this game, not at the actual job. Uh, I I do not do a boring tech support story during my breaks. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think I'm a happier man for it, but I don't know. But can you make a fitness motion game called Bouncy Castle? Ooh, That's a genius idea. Really, 100% of the charm of this game comes from... Actually, that's that's doing too little, giving too little credit to the adorable graphics, but a large part of the charm of this game comes from the fact that, really, the gameplay loop is about creating games, and at the end of each time, you, you know, at, at the beginning, you get to pick your genres, and you pick from a huge array of possible genre combinations. Too many genres. And, uh, and then, at the end, you get to pick your game's name, Uh, in addition to picking, like, your studio's name. So a lot of the fun of this is that coming up with the perfect game genre combo and the funny name to give it. It's genre and type. Yeah. So it's, like, genre might be... Online RPG. Yeah, online RPG. And then type might be, like, robot, animal, war, historical, like, just a ton of mahjong, you know, like... (laughs) Like every type of car or every type of game you can think of, it's represented somehow in one of these types. And so you can go real hard at it with like, I'm going to make a war RPG. Great. Or you can do like one of the weirder ones I did was a motion swimsuit game. <laughs> which I don't like think I unlocked either of those. In my head was a swimming game. Like I don't like swimsuit. I think you just made (laughs) like a porn. I titled it "Don't Drown" because my idea was that you know it's like the game would just be you like fighting to stay alive, basically. Like you're just trying not to drown, and it's motion, so you're just like 
swimming and it'd be terrible. But hey, it sold 25 million copies. What? So. <laughs> okay, so I did terribly, terribly at Game Dev Story. And I think I actually may have done a little better when I played it back in 2010. Um, I, I just churned out what basically was shovelware. Nothing sold a million copies ever. Um, and I, you know, just product after product after product, I just couldn't get enough traction in the market for, to, to make enough money to get licenses to make games for the big consoles. Um, so I did a bunch of PC games and a bunch of, uh, Game Kid games. There is no Game Boy here. The Game Kid is a big, big success. There's no, uh, obviously they didn't take the time or the effort to get any real licenses, but they wanted this to, this game to kind of you know, be tangential to the real world. So you start, I guess, like in the late 80s, I would say is kind of when mm -hmm. is when this uh, world starts. And so you're making games for um, like Atari clones. And as it come, as you move through the years, uh, Pladeon or Sunny or Sunny, S-O-N-N-Y, release its play status. <laughs> yep. And then the play status too. Uh, and then once you get like into the mid two thousands ish, you know, Micron has re released its uh, like Robo four sixty or whatever the you know the Xbox clone, and then Nintendo releases the Whoops, which has a new <laughs> has a new crazy controller that you know is. I had big success on the on the short lived Neon Geon, <laughs> uh, and then it but yeah. it went away. Yeah, it did, and I got a uh, I got a license to make games for the super ies but mm -hmm. unfortunately after only two games uh they discontinued the super ies and i was left with nothing to do but go back to making pc and game kid games well i think for me the the idea was to just well I feel like I kind of cheated this round because I remembered some good combos from like five years ago. <laughs> so I think I started off with a couple good middling games. The but good combos are like the obvious ones, you yeah. know, it, it, like pirate RPG. Like a lot of the RPG ones are always going to be good combos. Yeah. Um, action animal games action, are big. Yeah. Animal life. <laughs> action robot, like action pirate, anything Oddly, like that. Is gonna sumo trivia. Well. Sumo trivia. <laughs> I just did one that was virtual pet and online sim, and it was a huge hit. Of course. Yeah. Uh, my animal simulator called Simba was a <laughs> huge hit. <laughs> uh, the, the biggest seller that we had was an educational uh, Super IES game. Oh, no one plays educational Dude, that's Dude, why were you making educational? Because I had no money, and they're very cheap to make. And so I made an educational Super IES game called Frog Homework. And uh, <laughs> Frog Homework sold like hotcakes because we had some random breakthroughs, and it was the most fun game I had produced. Nice. Well, hey, my uh, my my breakthrough that really got me out there was um, my uh, lawyer simulation game called Tom Lawyer, and its sequel, Tom Lawyer 2, mm. um, were huge hits. And that kind of got me to capital to fund games such as Boats. <laughs> boats? <laughs> and more Boats. Did you get to, okay, did you get to make sequels? Because I never got to yeah. make sequels because none of my games yes. broke the into the top tier or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you got to get a high enough score. If you score over, I think, a 34 total interview points. And let me tell you, the bad reviews are amazing. Um, 
including why'd they do this to us? <laughs> and um, I think uh, title screen wasn't bad. It was pretty great. Yeah. They also say it's too short, which I was mad about. Yeah, that's not a problem. Too short. Not a problem. I agree. That should count in favor of these games. Yeah, the, the reviewer aspect is actually one of the most interesting little quirks of the game. Every time you release a game, you get some reviews, and uh, they give your game a score, and that basically determines how it's going to do in the market, but not entirely. And I, I thought it was really like... I had a hugely adversarial relationship with the <laughs> reviewers in this. It really made me feel for the poor game developer who pours their heart and soul into developing uh, a cute educational game uh, called Frog Homework. And <laughs> uh, and they've really just poured their soul into this game. It's the most fun thing they've ever produced. And then some little dude with a mustache says, it's for hardcore gamers. <laughs> I'm like, What? Frog homework is not for hardcore gamers, you jerk. And then we throw our phone across the wall, across the, yeah. the room. Absolutely. Well, Which, speaking of, let's uh, just real quickly, I want to say, like, why we chose this game. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it, it is, you can you can run your game company all the way to, like, you you get the, the gears worked up where pretty much any game you release, once you get past Reagan's apparently problems with this game, any game you release is like a super major hit, and you just keep churning them out, and make Whatever. more money, make more, and, and you're, you you kind of want to get to game of the year status, which yeah. is which is a little harder to get, but it is yeah. a little bit harder. But you also once you get high enough with it, kind of like every game wins that. So anyway, to get to that point, I would say it probably takes like five to seven hours of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is a game that you can definitely um, pick up kind of play you can save at any moment like in the middle like it's always able to save so you can pick up play put it down um it's a great like oh i have 10 minutes to stare at my phone and have a million little moments of instant gratification um and what sparked this is that it was recently updated even though this game came out in 2010 they just released an update to make it look good uh, which is a relative term, on the iPhone 6, 6S, like the bigger screens. Yeah, it actually, like, it's always been a weird game. When this game first came out, it was a weird-looking game, and it's because of the game's incredibly strange development story. Uh, it's game dev story, if you will. Uh, it's uh, it's by Kairosoft. Kairosoft is a Japanese game developer, um, and they make... They've been around a long time, and they mostly make mobile games now, but back in the 90s, they mostly made Windows PC games. And uh, Windows PCs are a tiny, tiny market over in uh, in Japan. Uh, game Dev Story started its life as a game for Microsoft Windows in 1997. Um, and it was, I think, sort of basically shareware. It was something that you'd you know, download from Kairosoft's website. Um, in 2010, they decided to start releasing games for the iPhone. I think this was the first one that they did, and it is really obviously a port. It looks, like, interface-wise, kind of like they ported something from, like, a less high-tech-looking mobile phone, or maybe, like, they ported it from something like a PDA. Like, it's a weird interface. Yeah, like, if you had... I could definitely... The PDA thing makes sense. Like... Like if you had a BlackBerry with a stylus, like this game would feel right because you're, it's mm-hmm. a it's a lot of um, menus mm-hmm. that you're tapping on, like kind of 
thin rectangles. Yeah, and you can lot. even um, you can even tap a button to bring up an on-screen D-pad. Uh, it's optional. You don't need to play with that. Uh, for all the shooting components of this yeah, game. Yeah, I actually could not figure out what the D-pad was for. It is really no only for navigating the menus. Like, you can do the whole game as if it were... That's why I really thought at first that it was a port from a PDA. It's actually a port from Windows, but it looks like something ported from like a Palm Pilot where you, you know, the touchscreen was so bad that everything you would do, you'd, you'd do by using the little D-pad on the device. Um, you can do the whole game with its on-screen D-pad. It's now decent enough that you don't have to do that because the with the larger playable area of the screen, it's easier to use the tiny little weird menus. I definitely still mistapped a few times. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, I mean, it, then there were no grave you know, effects from my little mistaps. Yeah, it's weird because this game, like on the surface, you would look at this game and instantly think, this is some kind of weird, crappy shovelware. It's probably, uh, probably a uh, freemium thing that's going to try to to cheese me out of my cash or something. And it is a weird game. It's not, I would say, like super high quality software, but it's like got a lot of charm. And even like it's crappy interface is kind of part of its charm. It's so addictive. I love this stupid game. I, this game is it's such it's, a it's so lovable, stupid it's game. It's so stupid and so fun and just like, satisfying over and over and over like you're just you really are just doing the same thing over and over and you are i think we'll go into it a little bit but like your games you're collecting stat points for them to make them better and it starts out your first games you're only getting like 10 15 stat points by the end you're getting hundreds of them and just that escalation like it's it's so satisfying and 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 this is get on the graphics a little bit more like we're we're mostly talking about like the menus and the selection Part of it that is like really, really clunky and outdated. The actual like little characters, you're constantly, you're looking at like a building with its roof cut off, like down into your game dev company. Your uh, office with yeah, its cubicles. Office. Yeah, is the, the right word for it. Thank you. And you have little like, you actually have staff that you hire and train. And like, there's a ton of, Little, if you know, if you had to call them all resources, you know, like there's a ton of things that go into play when you're actually making your games, including your little staff, and they walk around and they talk to each other, and it's not a great quality of of design, but they're, they're cute and they're kind of fun to look at, and they talk to each other and they go on little hot streaks where they literally light on fire. It's so fun because um, <laughs> you're actually building the games like at the um nothing to do with actual game development but you know halfway a quarter of the way through you have to start paying attention to the graphics and you they just say you're doing character design they don't even worry about the rest of the graphics and i was like of course because it's Carasoft and that's basically <laughs> that's all, all they of the design about. is yeah. characters <laughs> they don't have any other graphics what are you talking about why would you need it but mm -hmm. and it's it's weird because this game is really um it is repetitive, but you get a little bit more like if you take your uh, hacker on a long walk, maybe you'll be able to do, um, you know, a bookstore sim or convenience <laughs> store sim. Mm. Like someday you'll earn these new genres by just like having people walk around or 
uh, talk to people or training them. Just in terms of like what the words on the screen meant, I was super confused <laughs> by everything in the training screen. Like when you when you go to train your staff, the the different training options are. In fact, let me just pull it up. Walking, jogging, reading a book, meditate, pinball game, anime, <laughs> <laughs> uh, meditate, concert, net surf. And college. And then up from there, <laughs> lab study and short trip and long trip. So it's like, do I spend um, do I spend $280,000 having my employee net surf to get better at computer programming? Or do I spring for them going to a museum for $20,000 more than that? <laughs> or for 5500 excuse me, $550,000, I could send them to college where they actually get worse at computer programming but <laughs> better at writing. Well, and it's weird too because you'd be like, okay, I'm sending my uh, graphic designer to college and it's like Harbor RPG unlocked. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. You really and learned it, something there. Yeah. <laughs> it's absurd that none of the options in this make any sense. Another completely bizarre absurdity of the game uh, is that the game development happens in stages. It starts off with just, you know, writing a plan for the game. And you have one of your little sims do that. And it's they've, they've got a stat that tracks how well they do that. Then they actually begin programming. And um, the ones who are good programmers add to the game's fun quality. Um, but then after the initial programming is over, it moves into alpha. And at that point, we need to start thinking about art. Just the character design, yeah. though. Just the character design, yeah. And then after the alpha, it moves into beta. And at that point, we need to start thinking about music. And it's like, if you didn't start thinking about the sound of the game <laughs> until it got into beta, we're in trouble. But that's just how game dev works in this world. Well, and it gives you a chance. So there's like constant little random number generator like mini games and it'll say um okay now's the time to work on the sound design who do you want to work on the sound design so you look through your staff list and everyone is has their rating of what they're good at so you find your guy that has like the best sound skill or maybe you hire an outside source who has really good sound skill and you you select them and then you get this little pop up on your window which is them at a desk lit on fire. And, <laughs> or maybe not. Or maybe, maybe not. just kind of lackadaisically typing yeah. like doop, doop. And you, doop, doop. to the right of them on the screen, are the four icons that represent the four like stats of a video game fun, creativity, graphics, and sound, which I guess <laughs> is actually kind of fine. Like that really does kind of, you know, boil it down. And out of I their give this bot, game yeah. a four in creativity yeah. and a six and, in sound. <laughs> this is actually our new short game rating scale. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and out of their body comes these symbols. And it's like the better they are at the stat, the more likely, more like if they're working on sound, you want these little trumpet icons to come out of their bodies and go in and fill up these little columns. And so like to give it more sound. But sometimes you're well-rested, like 200 stat sound guy whose job is a sound designer, just like piddles on the keyboard for 30 seconds, gets a seven in sound, is like, guess that's good enough. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Derek, I am overpaying you. There's no, and there's no 
explanation why sometimes they're awesome and why sometimes they're garbage. But that's part of what, like, if they were awesome every time, I guess it wouldn't be, like, as satisfying. Because you just sit there and you're like, come on, babe. It's like, it's like gambling. Like, you're rolling dice and you're like, come on, baby. You can Pile up those better. trumpets. Pile <laughs> up those trumpets. You can't guarantee that Derek's not just going to be like, meh. And you, you, it says you, there's, another, there's another little counter that says one times, and it one times like four or five trumpets might come out of them. Then it goes two times, and this time like maybe ten trumpets will come out of them. And then three times, and like, oh shit, here comes 20 trumpets. And you sit there rooting for the stupidest things. You're like, like, give me that two times. All right, now how it many is it? It is just a loading animation, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Give me that three times. Pile it in there, baby. And like, when it it's like so stupid saddest i'm like yelling right now it's so stupid when you, satisfying when you boost when it, something it can boost between like three and 75 <laughs> and you never know when it's gonna stop like there's all these things that make you think you have control like their sound skill their rest you know how much you're paying them but it's like every once in a while they'll just be like, uh, I'm tired today. Even though it says full rested, I'm going to give you six trumpets when normally I'd give you 65 trumpets. And I'm like, listen, Milk Pudding Sky, that's one, of the, <laughs> one of the characters' names. I'm never hiring you again. You're out. Which you can do. <laughs> you can fire people. Yeah. I, that's something that I think uh, – there are many reasons that uh, my game studio crashed and burned. But one of them was that I I had focused entirely on training my existing staff and not on firing people and hiring better staff when I could afford it. And ah. I think that was really my, my big misstep because you know what? Noob Ownerton is never going to be better than 82 Programmer. And he's just he's just not a good enough programmer to to justify yeah. his uh, forty thousand dollar salary, which frankly he's is got pretty a little low. Blue bar, yeah, the little blue bar of, is like how much time he needs before he goes home and takes a nap. <laughs> so so he's probably taking breaks every five minutes because he's like, I'm tired. It's kind of sad that people are capped. Their potential is capped in this game. They are, and also when you fire them. They're not happy about it. It's not just like, yeah, oh, it was great working for you. It, it's like, like, but I need this job. No, they say <laughs> they said, but I worked so hard for you. <laughs> yeah. My next game, I, I'm gonna leave here, and my next game's gonna be a hit. You just watch, and then you never hear from them again. No. Well, sometimes they show back up in the application pool. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> uh, what it's when you're when you're uh, like filing through who to fire. They're like pleading their case, like I've worked so hard, and then when they do get fired, they're like, "Fine, I don't need you anyway," or like, "I hope you reconsider." <laughs> they just walk out of your office, and you get to the point where you have like six people on staff, and there's special characters that are like really strange because they're like characters. There's King Akbar, like a Saudi oil prince, um, a bear, a bear, like literally a bear, and also a monkey, chimpan, ch- like uh, master chimpanzee or whatever. And there's a uh, um, his name is Mr. X. He's a um, luchador. Luchador, yeah. He's my hardware developer, my <laughs> hardware engineer. King Akbar is my hardware engineer. You know, the game has a lot of little addictive aspects to it, and I think that's sort of why we're still talking about it after, you know, this this game is just a collection of little absurdities, but underneath it all, it's just got a lot of really addictive, smart design. The kind of thing that, you know, if this game were made today, would be 
dripping with in-app purchase and with, you know, just totally exploitative stuff. But what I love about this is that it uses all of those those techniques that you'll you'd see later in every exploitative piece of of shovelware on the app store but it uses them in a way that only ever makes you feel good about playing this game you never feel mad at the game except when your games do badly or when there's a power outage and it cuts all your stats in half um yeah if if this game were made today by a different company it would be like um add more fun to your game for 99 cents buy 100 fun for you know Best deal, 300 fun for 250. Pay your devs in game dev coins. Buy 50 coins for a dollar or 200 coins for five dollars. Yeah. Instead, you're just sitting here like trying to figure out if you should time your romantic dating sim. Excuse me, romance and dating are two different genres. Yeah. <laughs> romance confusing. sim to be out by Christmas because you might get a boost or like because but you don't actually remember how long it takes things to develop because you don't pay attention to the calendar in this game except that every march once a year you pay people which yeah. is ludicrous so many great weird simplifications like well, paying people every march or <laughs> but there's no fail state like you can go you go just negative money which mm-hmm. romango inc my game company did, <laughs> did did go negative oh a couple times what is your uh name reagan your, your the short name. game oh <laughs> Oh, I'm sad they did so poorly. Though. I know. Yeah. Mine's Paprika, and my game consoles are Ralph and Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the Box Mango 64. That's so good. Oh, see, I didn't make enough money to uh, to make my own game console, so here I am, just in the bush league, making uh, making uh, Game Boy historical racing games. <laughs> like, what's the name of your historical racing game on the Game Boy? Hang on, let me check. I made a uh, I made a racing war game and it's called Race Wars. <laughs> oh, or Oregon Raceway was my historical. Uh, <laughs> God, Oregon no Raceway. wonder you you did frog uh, frog, frog homework, homework and Oregon Raceway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had a big uh, big success with Walrus Breeder, which was a, 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 <laughs> a animal simulator. Um, and oh, and we did uh, the Witcher Game Boy Edition, which uh, did real well. My favorite names were probably um, the Sumo Trivia Game, which I named Fat Chance. <laughs> nice, that's beautiful. I was very excited about yeah, that you one. Should be. Um, I'm excited for you. Thank you. Um, I, my romance sim was named Kissy Face, which wasn't very creative but fun because it got a sequel. <laughs> it was like Kissy Face Two. I like that. When you're making like, you know, you ultimately make like. You know, I'm on game 38 now, having just completed game 37. So, like, some of your game titles are going to be really funny. Some of them oh, are just some like, stinkers in yeah, here. I just gotta, oh, yeah, I just got to get this game out. Um, Brady Booty, the pirate trivia game. I made a architectural card game called 52 Pickup. Mm. Uh, I have a puzzle robot game called Shovelware. Um, <laughs> I've got a, uh, a fantasy life game called Dick Pick Tycoon. Nice. Um, Very nice. I made a presidential online RPG called Vote for Me. I was imagining an online game where everyone's running around trying to become president. Hmm. Uh, I have another fitness game called Tub Thumping. <laughs> nice. A uh, a Sanga Exodus game in the adventure romance genre called Super Tinder. That's a pretty great game. Uh, I made an architectural online RPG called Minecraft. I had a dud in the middle of two like 10k sellers called X Men Malls. 
<laughs> That's when the lights went out, and I was like, oh. this game's going to suck. When we really, really were hitting rock bottom, and I had lost my license for the uh, the Super uh, IES because it, it stopped production and I couldn't afford a new license for a new console, uh, we turned back to the PC, and uh, in a pandering move, uh, I made a dungeon RPG called Nude Dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the short game went pretty quickly to hoping sex sells. Yeah. <laughs> Tycoon and nude dungeon. Well, you know, the problem is that no matter how clever your name, you don't get a stat boost on these things. <laughs> See, what's really funny is, it, it, like, Reagan, your experience with this game is blowing my mind. Because I've always thought that this game just kind of, like, as much choice as you have kind of worked on rails. Like, it, it always felt like it scaled just like regardless of what game you made like obviously you had some input in it but i always thought like no matter what by like game 15 16 17 you're gonna start hitting the hall of fame and like you're but i find out now that it is possible in game dev story to just wallow at the bottom of the game dev universe oh it really is and it was not for lack of trying like you're not making hits that like you you when your genres don't match if they're not like amazing and popular and you do okay like you're not going to make any money off your games so yeah Yeah. we we did not make a lot of money also i think i was just spending my money badly i think the big thing i would do if i was starting this game over is ruthlessly hire and fire because (laughs) as soon as i got enough money to to hire so it gives you options when you want to invest Best money in hiring. It gives you options of how, basically, how hard you want to try at hiring somebody who's not dumb. So, like, you can either put out a web ad or you can put a ad in a magazine. Because this game started development in '97, so a magazine ad for a game company makes sense. Sure. Um, <laughs> or you can, if you if you try to hire, you can do things like throw a conference or something. Like, I forget what all the options are, but if you spend a lot of money on hiring, you get higher quality. Uh, people coming to you and i think that i didn't realize how much of a difference it could make like you can hire really good people uh, if you are ruthless about firing people early on you can also make them change their jobs if you if you hire someone who's good but you have you know um there's there's a really high stat category called hacker um but they don't like to actually do work if you make them do anything (laughs) So I usually made, change them their careers, and they suddenly like started doing work. <laughs> lazy, stupid, hackers. lazy hackers. I know. Um, also, you can promote your company using um, a bunch of different things. This game actually keeps track of your fan base by uh, gender and age, age. and yeah. so you can do things like uh, hire. Animal costumes, which I guess is they go to like the mall or whatever in animal costumes, and it'll raise your fan base uh, in like young kids, or you can do what the the top one, which like I've done about forty five times at this point, is lunar writing. Oh my god, I can't believe you could afford lunar writing. Oh yeah, you have to, I do like three or four lunar writings before yeah, a game comes out. The moon is like etched with Romango ink at this point. Like I write <laughs> on the moon all day, all night. And uh, at some point, you can't actually advertise below a certain threshold, and you're yeah. stuck with just blimps and, lo- blimps <laughs> and moon and writing. Lunar, and and uh, like NASCAR car sponsorships because that's a big game company thing, right? <laughs> <Can> you're. <laughs> 
<laughs> name on a NASCAR. Literally, the the best thing I was a- ever able to afford. Uh, like mostly, all I could do was demo distribution, and the best I could ever do was a marching band. I was like, <laughs> "Well, the short game marching band marches through town, telling everyone to buy a copy of uh, of Frog Homework." <laughs> Frog Homework. <laughs> I am so intrigued by Frog Homework. Yeah, it's got to be. A what winner. was that game? Uh, number Munchers. That yeah. was kind of like Number frog- Crunch. Yeah, yeah, that was Frog Homework, basically. <laughs> I mean, this game shouldn't be as much of a time sink as it is but it's, god if i i didn't i opened it i was like i'm just gonna refresh my memory because i played this so far back i played it for like four hours straight i had things to do this i had is like other all good games it's like all i've been doing for it's a absurdly week. addictive in a way that it doesn't feel exploitative like it is fun it is charming but it's also like like you look at the time that you spent playing it and suddenly not long after you you stop you think wait why did I spend so much time doing that? And the theme matters so much too because I played, um, as I mentioned, I played a Pocket Academy and I played, which was okay, but I tried to play Hot Springs Story, which is where you're managing like a Japanese style hot springs. And I had no idea what the strategy was supposed to be because I don't know how a hot spring works. I do kind of have a clue that like a ninja action game is a good idea, but if I should put like a hot spring next to like the cool room or the hot, I was like, I don't know. It's a hot. <laughs> should I put this plant here? It looks pretty. <laughs> yeah, they have they have quite a lot of other games that have imitated this pattern, this style of game. I think the the second most popular one uh, over the years uh, was Pocket. I- Academy, the school one? No, 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 the or soccer the... one. Uh, it's like Pocket po- League. Pocket League story, yeah. And that looks super cute, but like I have no interest in that. It's a much more natural fit for a sim game, though. I know they have a Japanese one that's a like bookstore story, and I was like, why can't I have bookstore story or the secondhand <laughs> bookstore story? <laughs> yeah, this game actually had a sequel on Windows that still hasn't come out in America or on iOS. Um, it actually uh, came out in Japan in like 2010 or something like that. And I kind of want Game Dev Story 2. Like I would yeah. like a more in-depth Game Dev Story with maybe some interactive elements. Maybe we could, uh, you know. Want to go first person. <laughs> yes. Game Dev Shooter. The weird thing to me is, so I remembered I read this because Touch Arcade gave it a five star. And at the time I had just played so much Space Miner, which is the last five star game they'd given that I was like, Five-star game, four bucks, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I can't believe the amount of coverage this game got. Yeah. It got like, you know, AV Club Wired Magazine wrote about Ron Gilbert wrote about it in Wired Magazine. Like, It's because the game is, is awesome. But the it, ga- it's because the game's great. Yeah, it's like, it's so, you sit there and you're just like, I love this. And it's so stupid, but it's so infinitely satisfying to watch them sit at their little keyboard and the little trumpet and the little um, paint, like, you know, a painter has, like, that kind of circular thing in their hand that has, like, the five different The piece, tablet, yeah. Tablet yeah. with, like, five different paint splotches on it. That represents graphics and, like, a, <laughs> a, a yellow circle represents game, or creativity and a controller represents... Reason. Yeah, <laughs> represents fun. And you're just like, give me more orange circles. Come on. Daddy needs a hit game. Give me more orange circles. 
and then and then they come and it's great and then you name it something stupid like frog homework and then it's, it's just, <laughs> and it's a huge success yeah and it just and it just keeps going yeah you have a detective mystery called like sky job <laughs> I, I like actually that this game does have an ending it's uh, you you your career as a game dev is 20 years starting roughly in the 80s and ending roughly at the like launch of the HD era and um, your uh, you know once you finish that period you know you, you can be done with this game so it is a short game which is unusual in the simulation genre a lot of these are you know really long form things you know depending on how much time you actually spend looking at the screen and poking stuff you can get through your entire career as a game dev in maybe four or five hours um, of occasional popping out your phone to poke out a new game every now and then. So it's it's a it's a really nice, condensed, very simplified example of the sort of tycoon game genre, which I like. Yeah, I mean, it from, from start to finish, developing and releasing a game takes maybe 15 minutes at the most. If not like ten, that's if you really many, micromanage it. Like, yeah, depending you can, on how many you can put those things basically on autopilot if you want. Yeah, well, and that's why the short game company is not popping out hits like Romango Inc. is. You know, <laughs> you really got to focus those boosts. Yeah, we didn't do so well. <laughs> hey, there's still time. There is still time, but the problem for me now is that uh, I, so I'm uh, on this playthrough. Uh, I, I did I did less well, even if you can believe that, back in 2010. Um, on this playthrough, I'm already at year like 15 out of 20 and it's just not going anywhere. Like the, the, the world has moved on and I, no one wants to buy my, uh, Game Boy games and PC games and I can't afford to get into the, the market with the big dogs making the, what is the Xbox equivalent called again? Uh, uh the Micron something. Yeah. Not the x bone, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just not happening. Guys, I'm so glad we we went back to this and tried it again, though. And even more than that, like, part of the reason that we did this now is that Kyrosoft just released that update. And I'm really glad that they are being stewards of their history there. Like, these games are the sort of thing that so frequently just gets, you know, released and abandoned on the App Mm -hmm. Store. And it's so nice to see the developers not only going back to make sure that their game still runs, but even updating it to make sure that it runs well and looks okay on modern Mm -hmm. devices that it was never intended to run on. You know, this is running on my iPhone uh, 6S Plus, and that's significantly taller. This is a 1080p screen, and uh, this game originally came out to run on a a phone with a 320p screen, yep. is that right? And it's running better than it did ever. Yeah. So like that's Absolutely. like that not it's not how that normally works. They even went in and redrew the graphics of the backgrounds a little bit. I don't know if you noticed this, but like when the game first came out, the like window in which you see the graphics is basically square and they actually had black bars above and below uh, the game. This was in its original release. Like it was a square screen on the iPhone's rectangular screen. And um for this release, they actually went in and drew the top part of the of the of the building so that you they could extend it and have an actual rectangular um, uh, like view. They actually went in and redrew the the graphics to to make it fit on these larger screens. That's commitment to keeping their oldest game uh, yeah. viable on the App Store. And it's I mean here we are talking about it. You know they're getting that short game bump. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, uh, is there a game? 
out there that you just mourn that they've never updated it? Because I have two. And I'm curious if you guys have, like, you know, I was not going through life hoping that, like, today they would release Game Dev Story for, uh, you know, my phone and modern, you know, iOS 9. I'm so happy it's here. But I kind of want... What are yours? Maybe that'll... I mean, my two dream lists are Dungeon Raid, hmm. which is uh, like a match three RPG game, um, and Sword and Poker, which <laughs> just doesn't work at all. Oh, man. I- I've heard about that. I never got to play Sword and Poker. It, it really... might not even exist in the App Store anymore, but Sword and Poker was astonishingly good. It was also a dungeon crawler where you played Poker and magic spells changed the poker hands. It was so good. <laughs> I've not even heard of that. that it was sounds, so good. Yeah. It just doesn't exist anymore. But I'm curious if you guys have any others. I have a couple, um, and they're both from a company called NG Moco. Uh, and the problem was that NG Moco, or maybe I'm mixing that up. I think it was MG Moco. Anyway, they were the company that made Rolando for the iPhone and also yes, uh, Rolando. Topple. Rolando was a really charming game that was one of the first it was I was sure at the time it was going to be the Mario of the iPhone because it was the <laughs> Apple did too. Yeah, actually they promoted it a lot because it was it was the first game that was really entirely tilt based but it was also a platformer. You played as a little round guy and you had to rotate your phone to roll him through sort of platforming stages. And there was also some puzzle solving as well because you'd uh, you know you'd free other little Rolandos and you'd need to roll them all through various levels, and they'd have different sizes and shapes and things like that. And it was a really charming character platformer that was 100% optimized and built for the iPhone. And uh, that company got acquired by somebody else. I don't really remember who now. And I don't even think you can download Rolando, let alone run it. Um, it's, It's completely gone. And it even had a sequel. I think that's gone too. Like Rolando was a great game. It's a lot like um, there's a there's a PSP game I think that's similar to it called like Lalo Rosso. I've never played that, um, but Rolando was awesome, and it's uh, it's totally gone. And that's a high profile game on the App Store. You just can't play now. Mm. I, uh, I I can't think of anything that like you can't play entirely. But a game that I was playing around the same time as Game Dev Story was one of the first games that I got really into on the I pod touch was called hook champ and oh, I, yeah. oh yeah yeah i just looked it up it looks like you can still download it but it was last updated in 2011 um so i'm guessing that it's not going to be the nicest thing on my uh bigger screen but i could be wrong but i uh, i love that game well if you like that you should try mikey hooks <laughs> I'd love that name for sure. Yeah, so it's like, I think there was a first game called Mikey Boots, and then they made a sequel called Mikey Hooks, where he has a hook now. Those sound like two games, if you gave me another, like, somewhere in my timeline is me making two games in in game dev story called Mikey Boots and Mikey Hooks. Hooks. And you're like, I need a sequel for my platformer. Why is platformer not a genre here? Yeah, weird. That is weird. Um, Anyway, yeah. Maybe Maybe we haven't taken our... Uh, coder on enough uh, meditation and long rests to uh, <laughs> unlock the platformer. Just gotta watch more anime instead yeah. of giving me ogre RPG. <laughs> oh, you, you unlocked slish. ogre? I didn't get ogre. Yeah, and what am I gonna? I have no idea what to pair an ogre with. Presidential was one of the funniest ones, and swimsuit. Oh, I just like don't know what either of those games are. Um, 
I, I did want to ask you guys, like, have you played much of the um, Tycoon games? Not really. I, I've played a few. Um, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I played a ton of one of the theme park ones, and I not roller really coaster remember. tycoon. It was. I don't think it was roller coaster. Did you play coaster. theme park two thousand or whatever the one that was made by? Uh, it was the same. Um, it was like a Windows off brand. They made theme park, and it came out after Roller Coaster Tycoon to capitalize off the popularity. I had that. I played a ton of Roller Coaster Tycoon, the first one, just an absurd amount of it. Um, and my other favorite one that I played a ton of was Zoo Tycoon. I love that game. I somehow missed all of those. I mean, my parents liked buying um, – my parents, my anti-video game parents liked the Sim brand games mm-hmm. because they were educational for a while. Um, and so – Like you, know, you mean like Sim City and stuff, not The Sims? No, like before The Sims came out, like Sim Ant. Yeah, oh yeah, eventually, I played a ton like, of Sim And everyone got a different one for Christmas. And I got Sim Island, which was environmentalist <laughs> themed. And you had to like decide if you found a you know rare breed of cheetah – in your jungle, if you were going to get tourism dollars or protect the cheetah, um, I didn't do very well at that game. It wasn't fun. Is it? It's either get tourism dollars or protect the cheetah. What kind of tourism is putting this cheetah in danger? Well, because you, if the tourists are chomping through the woods, it deforests uh, the jungle, okay. and then the Wait, cheetah's gonna like tourists die out. are chopping the woods down <laughs> because you got to make paths for the tourists. Okay, I, it just, was a weird, heavy-handed game. Sounds like it. <laughs> not good. Sim pollution. I, I just found the game that I I poured enormous amounts of time into, and it was just called Theme Park. It was not Sim Theme Park, nor was it Roller Coaster Tycoon. I think that's the one that I'm talking about. It's got incredibly awful pixel graphics. It was for the uh, Macintosh um, back in those days. Um, And it was... It was very bad. It's a terrible game. And I remember mostly that it's also extraordinarily hard. Like, you'd build your theme park, and you'd have to spend just ungodly amounts of money building paths, and you wouldn't have any money left over for anything else. And uh, so all I could ever afford to build were bouncy castles. And people liked going to bouncy castles enough that they'd go to the park, but not enough that they'd pay for the tickets to be anything other than just barely enough money to keep the place open. So, so I don't think I ever built similar, anything good. Yeah, you had a similar experience in theme park as you had in game dev. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, I, and when I was talking about the offshoot to Roller Coaster Tycoon, theme park is the game that I was talking about. I also ah, played a lot of this game. It's terrible. And it is very hard. It's the Bullfrog Games company. Yes. Like, I need, I think, like, Bullfrog Productions is worthy of its own, like, entirely own um, podcast. Because they have so many weird games that were just really hard from that time. Yeah. At least you don't have drug cartels like you do on Simile. <laughs> I Did you play drug cartel on your, uh, on your Nokia, like, Flip on phone or the whatever. calculator, yeah, I played oh, nice. on my TI eighty three. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. They uh, they outlawed that at my uh, at my school. It was a big deal. They wanted to check everyone's calculator to make sure they didn't have any drug games on there. It was hilarious. <laughs> Man, I'm looking at Bullfrog games. I played so many of these games. Populous was so hard. Oh God, Populous. Theme Park. Oh, my God. Uh, Dungeon Keeper. I played a ton of that. That was a crazy game. That was really so. Hard. What made them so hard? I I didn't play any of them. 
It's just like clunky UIs and like really high expectations of what you would be able to accomplish. Yeah, it was too hard for a ten-year-old, which I mean isn't isn't really a difficult. I I don't know if I how I'd play them today, but they were definitely too hard for ten-year-old Reagan. It's a it's a terrible genre that hates me, and we should never speak of it again. And that's it for this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, I'm really glad we played this. It's such a such a such an artifact of the early app store and such a charming little game in and of itself. It's totally worth checking out. If you listeners are playing this game, please tell us the game <laughs> genre, the game type and your game title and if it did well or not. Cause I yes. could just sit and like sit, talk about this stuff all day. So yes. I mean, I could just name every game I made and how much fun I had coming up with the title, it's, except the one like, that. That could have been the podcast, guys. Seriously. No one would listen. I got 30 games of, uh, 37 games of stupid jokes here. Send your best games to us at the short, or at underscore short game on Twitter, or go to our website and put them into our feedback form. Um, and, uh, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly. Uh, you could find me on Twitter at Reagan K, R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Um, Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate... Where can people find you? On Twitter, at NateSTL. And thank you for joining us this week on The Short Game.